Well, if you'll turn in a copy of God's Word to Philippians chapter 1, we are continuing our series there. Um, If you need the page number, you'll find it in your bulletin in the outline, uh, if you need that. Um, Philippians has been a great book. Uh, The Lord is using it greatly in my life, and I trust in yours as well. I would remind you of the challenge that we're doing together as a congregation to read through the book of uh, Philippians out loud once a week. It'll take you about 10 minutes. And I've already seen how it has greatly impacted my life, and I I trust it is impacting yours as well. Well, Let's read Philippians 1, verses 18b through 26. Hear now the word of the Lord. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample calls to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall indeed stand forever. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you that you have given us the Bible, that you've given us your word, that we might read of wonderful things like we've just read, of the incredible hope of heaven. Lord, I pray that you would be with us this morning that by your spirit you would help us, give us eyes to see and ears to hear, Lord, that we might even have feet to walk and do. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. There are certain things that we're just not allowed to talk about in polite society. Um, You might come up with your own list, but the things that I could think of would be um, our political views, who we're voting for, who we're not voting for, Our religious beliefs, what we believe and what we don't, and what we believe about what others believe. Money issues, how we like to spend it. Relationship problems, intimacy issues, the dreaded topic of death. Now some of these conversations are are meant to be more personal and, and, and smaller circles, for sure. But the reality is each each one of these issues, the reason why we find them divisive. The reason why it may not be polite to speak of them in polite society is because it gets to the very core of who we are. If you want to find out about who someone is, just ask them, what do you believe happens after death? Who are you voting for and why? What do you do with your money? Show me your checkbook. That would be a sobering thought, right? Because, see, these things, they, they get right to the quick of who, who they are, who, of who we are, the intersection of life and faith. Well, as a pastor, I, I get to talk about each one of these issues. Because um, the Bible talks about each one of these issues. And this morning, our, 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 our passage talks about death. Last week, we talked about um, the biblical view of life and what our life is meant to be used for. And this morning, I want to explore something a little more hopeful even um, 
of the grand hope, the believers that we have of the heaven that is to come. You know, I think that we rob ourselves in 21st century Western civilization, we don't talk about death much. Um, But we rob ourselves. Because it is only when we speak of our death and that of others that we are reminded of the hope of heaven. Which is meant not to just be a hope for the Christian on his deathbed, but for all of life. Indeed, we are meant to live in the shadow of heaven. If it indeed casts a shadow for we learned that it is a bright place indeed and there's no longer any sun or moon for we have Christ himself. It casts its shadow long and deep in our lives and it gives us hope for what is to come. What is your view of death? What is your view of life? What is your view of what happens after death? There are a few things that are more ultimate than these questions. There are a few things that are more final than these questions. There's, there are a few things that are more important than these questions. Well, Paul finds himself in prison, most likely in Rome, having been tried and waiting for his verdict. Only two verdicts are possible, acquittal or death. Last week, we looked at what it would mean for him if he were to live a little bit longer But Paul here in this text is very clear. He longs to go and be with Jesus. As someone in our community group last week pointed out to me as we're talking about this text, I mean, you can imagine how he might. He's in a Roman prison where you'd starve if you didn't have friends to come and feed you. But how much more for us too, that we might long to depart and be with Jesus. Well, there are certain things we we need to talk about before we get to our text. And the first is the certainty of our death. We don't know the time. Um, You know, there are two people in this world, in all of history, who have not experienced death. Out of the billions and billions of people who have lived. Only two people have not experienced death. And that that would be Enoch and Elijah. Even the Son of Man experienced death. I mean, think about that for a second. Even the Son of Man, Jesus himself... Our Savior, the God-man Jesus, he suffered death. Indeed, his death was what undid, unmade our deaths long-term. So this means that this is something that we all must soberly think about. That we will one day die. For those of you who are older, there's nothing new that I'm saying this morning. Indeed, I'm sure that you think about death a lot more than I do. With every um, new um, pain and every new problem and every new weakness. But if you back up a few decades and you think about folks in their middle ages (laughs) with the craziness of kids and sports and school and work and saving for retirement and taking care of parents, you might think about a little less. And then you certainly get to my age, younger teenage years, where we carry an, an aura of invincibility and think dying is what other people do. Well, the reality is that Hebrews 9.27 says that um, man is appointed to die once, and after that comes judgment. You know, I would imagine our lives would be different if we knew the day and hour of our death. But I don't know that it would be a good thing. Because I wonder, I think we just put things off. I think we would wait to get right with the Lord until the very end and and live what the world says is a great life. 
But the Lord in his providence has chosen not to tell us when he will call us home. And this means that many things, but one thing it means is we, we may not tarry, we may not wait, we may not linger in getting right with the Lord. Indeed, we're not promised the rest of this day. We're not, married, we're not um, promised the rest of tomorrow. Paul was living a life that was very much up in the air, wasn't he? The verdict apparently had perhaps already been given upon the hearing. It just hadn't been communicated to him. We just don't know. He was waiting any moment to learn if he would be set free or if he would die at the hands of an executioner. We don't know the day, but, but my friends, here's the message. We can know the destination. We can know the destination. We may not know the day. We may not know the hour. But as believers, we can be assured of where we're going. I was recently speaking to uh, uh, someone I know in a different city. You don't know this person. And we were talking about ultimate things. We were talking about the gospel. And he told me, he said, you know, when you, when you die, what happens is you go before St. Peter's Gate, which by the way is unbiblical. That doesn't happen. You go to St. Peter's Gate and there are three doors there. So already we're again into unbiblical territory. Uh, the first door opens up into a pasture and you go and, you, and heaven is sitting in a pasture underneath a tree by a pond. This is what heaven looks like forever and ever. Then there's the other door on the far end of the extreme and it, and it leads to hell. It leads to a pond that's full of fire and you spend eternity there. But the middle door is, opens up into the pasture, the first pasture, but it rains. And so these three options uh, upon our death of where we'll go. Now he was hoping for that middle door that middle door of, uh, of a pasture where it rained because he knew he wasn't good enough to get to the real door, the real place of heaven. Now we had a long chat about how that wasn't exactly a biblical view of death. But fundamental to his error was the idea that he had to earn his way to get to the good door. My friends, our destiny is not determined by our actions. Our destiny is determined on whether or not we've received Christ as our Lord and Savior. And if his actions have been applied to our account, it's as simple as that. Because see, our default destination is hell. Romans 3 tells us, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. It goes on to say, for all have sinned and fall short. And that means continue, continue to fall short of the glory of God. Hell is a place of unending fire, death, and separation from God. And there are many awful things about hell, but there are two that stand out. The first is it is eternal. It never ends. And eternity, a thousand years, makes no sense because without a beginning and an end, you cannot measure time. The first is that it is eternal, but the second is, is it is what I deserve and is what you deserve. God is just. He is a God of perfect justice. And the wages of sin is death. But there's that three-letter word, but. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And this is the hope of, of the believer. And it is the hope, the sure and certain hope of heaven. Because here's the thing. 
For the, for the believer, there is salvation, there is deliverance, there is redemption, there is a certain knowledge of heaven. For Christ took hell on the cross for us. He was punished in our place, and now we can say there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because he has taken it for us. This is the starting point of Paul. For those who trust in Christ for the salvation, death is what ushers in us into the very dwelling place of God. It ends our pilgrim days and takes us home. We finally enter into the eternal rest of our souls and bodies and we are finally made perfect. We will feast upon the wedding feast of the Lamb and we will finally see our Savior face to face. Our face will be, faith will be turned into sight and our sighing into praise. The shadows of doubt and pain will be eclipsed by the beauty and brilliance of the Son of God. We will join our brothers and sisters of different colors, tribes, nations, ethnicities, and backgrounds around his throne forever praising God as those who have been made new. In the new heavens and the new earth, the greens will be greener, the pines will be pinier, and the grass will be grassier. And the smells will be delightfully smellier. This is the reality that we have to look forward to. What we have now is but a glimpse of reality. For those who have died and have gone to be with the Lord are living more than we are now or ever will be until Christ comes again or we go to be with him. This is the hope we have in heaven. And it is God's gift through and through. It cannot be earned. You cannot be good enough. You cannot make up for past sin. Why? Because Christ has done it for you. It is a gift. It cannot be paid for. And is what he offers you. There is the paradox of Christian death. And we feel this tension in Paul's text this morning. For if he were to die, it would cause great mourning on behalf of the Philippians. They have prayed long and hard for him. They yearn for his return. And yet for him, it would be gain. It would be, be with Jesus. There is the, it is a paradox. For on the one hand, it is a time to mourn. Death is not natural. It is common, but it is not natural. Natural would mean it's what God made the world to be like before the fall began. It is common. It happens to all, except apparently to Enoch and Elijah. We should mourn and not be more pious than Jesus and say that we should only celebrate. John eleven twenty five 25 tells us when, when Lazarus died, what did Jesus do? He wept and he wept bitterly because he missed his friend. And he knew, he knew that he was about to raise him from the dead. Matthew 5, 4 tells us, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Death is an effect of the fall and therefore it is not only permissible, it is a good thing to mourn we lose those whom we love. But it's also time for hope. 1 Thessalonians 4.13, this great text tells us, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. See, the fact is we grieve as those who have hope. We grieve as those who have hope several fold. The first, perhaps, that, that if the person who died was a believer, then we know that he is with Christ but also that we who mourn will be comforted. And we have a God who, who binds up our hearts and one day will return and make all things new and all the bad in this world will be undone and will be showered with blessings forever. Which brings us long-windedly to our text. Verse 21. 
For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. The word gain here means profit. It's economic profit. It's profit you get at the end of, end of the month when you do your books and see if you're in the red or in the black. This is, this is a windfall of windfalls when the dust has settled on the books and they've all been balanced. This is a great benefit to Paul to live as Christ, to, to serve him for another season of time, but, but to die would be to be with Jesus and his, his days of trouble and to- turmoil of working hard to spread the gospel, of being beaten and being left shipwrecked, being left for dead and being stoned and being uh, betrayed by those whom he loved and he served, those days would be over. He'd be, with, he'd be with the Lord. He's gonna use four different ways of talking about this gain in this text. The first is deliverance in verse 19. For I know that you're through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Paul is saying whether he lives or dies, it will be for his deliverance. This word deliverance is, is the Greek word for salvation. It will be his salvation whether he lives and continues to be sanctified by Jesus on this earth. Or it will be his salvation if he is saved and his soul is perfected and he's with the Lord forever. It will be his deliverance whether he lives or dies. He is a man who is in dire straits. And indeed for him he knows that to depart and to be with the Lord would indeed be gain. It's hard for us to speak this way, isn't it? It's hard for us to think of, of death as something bringing to us benefit. But can you imagine, I mentioned earlier, there, there are 30,000 estimated Christians in the death camps in North Korea. That's a UN estimate. It's an official estimate. 30,000. What's that? Six times the uh, population of Bruton? Just because they love Jesus. And they eat a small morsel of food when they wake up. They go and work 14, 15, 16 hour days. They come back, they eat another small morsel, and they fall asleep, only to be woken just a few hours later to do it all over again. You can see how in their instance to say to live is Christ but to die is gain. But Paul continues verse 20 as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed. I uh, I recently read in a book of a man who had been tasked by his employer to work for two months on a proposal for a new project and he loved the project and so he, he came in early and he left late and he came in on weekends. He gave it his all. That's all he thought about and the day of the presentation he comes in and his boss says, you know what? I'm sorry we had to pull the plug on that project. He was left standing holding the bag. All that he had done had been for naught. All of it had been for vain, in vain. My friends, our walk with the Lord, these long days of pilgrim trials, this will not be all in vain. We will not be ashamed at the last day. We will not be ashamed in the experience of death. That is perhaps for the believer the scariest thing, right? We know what happens after death, but the experience of death is painful. And only the Lord knows how and when and how long it will come for but I love that passage in 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. He who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. He will, we will not be left ashamed. He will not forsake us or leave us. 
He will not leave us or forsake us upon the the moment of our death, but indeed uh, we will take our, our last gasp here and our next gasp will be taken in the pure and holy air of heaven. Nor will we be ashamed at the day of judgment when we appear before him. For indeed we will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. This is the hope of the Christian. We have the hope of the Christian is to be with Christ. Verses 23a, my desire is to depart and to be with Christ. He's, he's struggling to decide which one of these things would be better. He knows if he were to stick around, he could help the Philippians a bit longer. But if he was to go and be with Jesus, if he were to die, he would immediately depart and be with Christ. Did you know that when a Christian dies, he or she goes straight to heaven? There's no waiting around. He doesn't just, his soul doesn't stay in the ground. His body does, but his soul goes to be with Jesus immediately. Acts 16, we find that angels are sent to gather uh, the death, uh, to gather those who have died in the Lord. In Luke 23, 42 and 43, do you remember what the thief asked? Jesus on the cross, Jesus, remember me when you come into your heaven. What did Jesus say? Truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. I love it how one author's put it. We depart from the earthly reality and the dawn of heaven breaks. All these shadows, they flee away and we see our savior as he is. There's no waiting at the doc, like at the doctor's office. We don't have to take a number. We're not lost in the bureaucracy. There's no donut hole to be, um, to be found in. We are immediately ushered into the presence of the Lord. And when we are ushered into his presence, we are finally home. Have you ever been on a long vacation, perhaps a hard vacation? They're not always good. A hard vacation, and you just want to get home. Or perhaps you've started that long trip, and it's a long, long journey, and you just want to get home. That's a good desire. And for the believer in Christ, our true home is in heaven. Our citizenship is already there. We've been seated in the heavenlies, according to Ephesians. 2 Corinthians 5, 8, yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Paul tells us that it would be much more better in the English in verse 23, he says to go and be with Christ would be far, that is far better. The Greek says much more better. I, the same gentleman I was talking to, I mentioned before about the three doors, um, he said, you know, my prayer is that when I die, it'll just be over and that'll be it. Because this man's led a hard life. Nothing's broken for him. Nothing's gone well for him. And he's, he's, he's in poverty and it's a bad situation. And um, he can't imagine a heaven. He can't imagine living forever and it being a good thing because he's lived long enough. But the heaven in which we will spend, it will indeed be forever and it'll be a glorious thing. Just as we read at the beginning of the service, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. But the greatest of all is what's found in 21, Revelation 21.3 and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. In the Garden of Eden, you saw this, where, where Adam and Eve walked in the garden with the Lord. We don't even know what that looks like or what that fully means. We can't imagine that. 
And then you see the temple, the tabernacle in the Old Testament where God has a special dwelling place with his people. And then you see it in Jesus, Emmanuel, who is God with us. And he comes and he tabernacles, he dwells with his people. And then the spirit dwells within us. So with each each phase, we're getting closer and closer to finally and fully dwelling with the Lord forever. That'll only come when we go to be with the Lord fully and finally. We'll be at home with the Lord. And because of that, we will have perfect souls. Can you imagine not fighting sin? Can you imagine not fighting temptation? We'll have perfect bodies. Can you imagine not fighting arthritis and cancer and diabetes and headaches and heartaches and mental illness and blindness and arthritis and all these others? Can you imagine that? 1 Corinthians 2, 9, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. We can't even imagine what awaits. It'll be a perfect world when Christ comes again and makes all things new. No more suffering, no more political maneuvering, no more war, no more police, fire, emergency departments, no more crying, no more tears, no more loss, no more mourning, no jobs for doctors and nurses will turn in their licenses. No more national strife, no more racial tension, no more international terrorism, like as all will be at peace. It's hard to even fathom such a world, isn't it? Do you know your destination? Can you say with Paul to live as Christ, but, but death is gain? Can you say that? See, Jesus died on the cross for, for his people that our, 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 our dark hearts, as we shared with the children, would be cleansed by his blood and would be made pure, that we can live with him forever and ever. It is for the believer alone that this hope of heaven belongs. It is free and it has been paid for. You merely have to receive it as a gift. We're gonna close here in a second with 553, Sweet By and By. I've always loved this hymn, but I've never known what it meant. (laughs) It's one of those hymns you like the tune and you like singing it, but you don't really know what it means. That's not a good reason to like a hymn. By and by means the future. It means what is to come. And for the believer, the by and by, the future is indeed sweet. And because the future is sweet, it sweetens the present too. See, see, the hope of heaven, it, it overflows the bounds of death and it, and it affects us now as we yearn for that day and live in expectation of it. I love how this verse puts it, there's a land that is fairer than day and by faith we can see it afar for the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there and the sweet by and by we shall meet on the beautiful shore. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen. Lord, we do thank you for the hope of heaven. And we yearn for this. Lord, it's hard for us to even imagine what heaven is like. But we know that it'll be such a better day than this one. Lord, until that day, I pray that you would continue to bring in those whom you've chosen, those who, who will call upon your name, that you might work in our midst, Lord, and even those who don't know you today might know you today. They might surrender to their Savior as you work in them by your Spirit. Grant us revival, Lord Jesus. We yearn for heaven. And we thank you that our future is secure in Christ. 
We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.